0: The Cincinnati Reds bullpen, are we really going to play this game where uh, we hope? No, the hope is not a strategy. Why the Reds are rolling with hope and why it's a bad idea will be our focus on today's Locked on Reds. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Reds and we are live. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day and for being here live with us on YouTube today. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr. We both have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. And God help us, we have taken that passion and turned it into information for. You On today's podcast, we are going to look at the Reds bullpen and Jeff is going to throw some numbers at you that are going to absolutely blow your mind. I know they did mine. I didn't even believe him at first when he was telling me about this when we were prepping for the show. So stay tuned for that. We are also going to dig into your comments and questions and see where this live show takes us. But Jeff, I think we probably should dig into this bullpen and uh, start right there because... Uh, you, you threw out some numbers that I didn't believe. Um, and there is a lot to talk about with this bullpen, just trying to figure out uh, where the Reds are going to go
0: from here. Wait, where are you going to go? Exactly. The, the way that this season began, uh, you would think that this bullpen is one of the main culprits for why they are going to set history and become the second Reds team ever to lose a hundred games in a season. I'm here to tell you that's actually not the case. Since the All Star break, the Cincinnati Reds, and this is according to fangraphs, the Cincinnati Reds have been the seventh best bullpen in baseball. That's right, folks. Not the Mets, not the Rays. The Reds have been better than both of those teams. In fact, according to fangraphs and their wins above replacement metric, the Reds are tied with the Mariners. For the sixth best, they're like six and seven, you know, whatever, six or seven. They're right there in wins above replacement. Absolutely blew my mind when I saw that stat. But the Reds bullpen has actually been a strength of this team. It sure doesn't feel like that. <laughs> I, I mean, the,
1: I I mean, listen, the numbers are the numbers, and and you told me this, so I started just looking at the list of of players. That are on this team and in this bullpen. And like half of them, I'm like, is that guy still pitching? Is like, is he on the team right now? I don't even <laughs> right. know. Um, no, listen, it's I think a big part of the problem as to why it has felt so bad, like why it has felt like the bullpen hasn't performed, is because there's been pretty much no margin for error. Every right. time we've gone to the bullpen, they're they're taking uh, over in a game where the Reds are trailing one to nothing, or leading one to nothing, or it's still tied, uh, the starting pitching, uh, by and large, has been really good. They've they've kept the Reds in a lot of ball games, but you know when the offense doesn't perform at all, ever, then there's <laughs> an extra layer of of pressure on the bullpen to to go out and not be able to make one mistake. And I think that that's probably why, at least in my mind, I have this perception of the Reds bullpen being horrible. Like every time we get past the starting pitcher, like, well, there goes the game. Time to despair um, unless it's Alexis Diaz coming in because it's uh, there's no room for them to, to make a mistake.
0: I think under a much uh, less pressurized microscope, there's been a lot of guys that have emerged. I mean, of course, we can talk about Alexis Diaz because he's phenomenal. And if you're looking at baseball reference, he actually has compiled three wins above replacement, which ties Luis Castillo for the team lead and would be the best on the team. Which is phenomenal to me, but you know, if you look at Fangraphs, it's a little bit different. I'm not sure of the metrics there. We've we've talked about that off air in the past. like I that's math. I don't really know what is the difference there, but to see the fact that Baseball Reference is giving him three wins above replacement, Fangraphs gives him one point one. He has been phenomenal this season, but I think the rhetoric out there around this Reds bullpen is it's Alexis Diaz and a bunch of guys, and you just flip the coin, it's like bullpen roulette. It was that way early on in the season, but there's been a lot of guys who've kind of grown into their roles in the bullpen this year. And I think that it's worth shouting these guys out because they could be part of the future. We start with Rivar San Martin, very obviously part of this Reds bullpen of the future, if not the key left-hander, a very important left-hander coming out of this bullpen. Would I like to see them go sign a lefty this off season? Absolutely. But with Revar San Martin in the fold, you know, you've got a guy, he has been phenomenal out of the bullpen and outside of like a couple of blowups, And this is Revar San Martin is the perfect case of, if you're looking at the ERA for a relief pitcher, you are not seeing even part of the picture. No, Forget the whole picture. You're seeing a very tiny portion of the picture because he could give up multiple runs in like three or four appearances and that ERA is gone. You got to look outside that Rivar Sam Martin performs very well. When you stop looking at the ERA and you start looking at the rest of the picture, then you got a guy like Derek law who came out of nowhere. Whenever he was called up, I was like, who? who is this guy he's actually shown himself to be an interesting candidate to be a middle innings dude for the reds next year not talking about a setup man by any stretch but what he has shown is he doesn't walk a ton of guys. He, he walks some, but not a ton. Got less than four walks per nine, which is not something that a lot of guys that the Reds have run out there can say. He doesn't have a high strikeout rate, but he does well at pitching to contact and getting guys to get themselves out. You love to see that out of the bullpen. Efficient appearances, and that is key for Derek Law. Another guy that I really love is Buck Farmer. Buck Farmer has shown he's got a fastball that he can control he's got a breaking ball that he can drop in there on guys and just devastate them and make them whiff swing and miss all that good stuff i love what buck farmers brought to the table and have you noticed we haven't said anything about the guys who are hurt this is where i talked about in the cold open because we see these guys and, and and yes they they have presented themselves as good options for 2023 some guys that we should see more of but is the front office simply banking on dudes to come back from injury? And those are the reinforcements because I would ask you listening as well. And I'm going to ask Steve this as well. Is this the plan? And if this is the plan, are we excited about the future of the Reds bullpen? If the plan is simply let's see what happens when we're healthy.
1: Well, it probably is the plan, but it should not be the plan. And listen, you threw out a lot of names there and uh, just a couple a couple quick follow-ups to what you were saying. Reaver San Martin, you look at that ERA and and you're absolutely right. You cannot look at reliever ERA. And remember that when he became a reliever, that was coming off four horrible starts in the rotation where he got absolutely pasted so he started off with a completely inflated era let's talk about his FIP for a minute his era is 611 his FIP is 4.60 so you know he's been a little bit unlucky and again some of the guys the reds have run out in the field over the course of this season again i'm talking it to you mr Motter. uh should not have ever been on a major league baseball field but is the plan to to hope is the plan to roll with what they got it probably is i can't imagine they're going to go out and spend a lot of money but if they are going to spend any money at all bullpen should be where it's at there's lots of young talent coming through the system that plays other positions and we're going to spend a lot of time this off season talking about that but the one place where you can take a little bit of dollars and make a big impact is in this bullpen because as we dig into these guys coming off the injured list, you'll see that there's going to still be a few roles that need to be filled with solid veteran arms that know what they're doing at the major league level that can get guys out.
0: I agree. And honestly, too, there's some things in there that I talked about with Derek law and guys like that, who they came out of nowhere. What tends to happen with those guys in the bullpen is regression happens because Relief pitching is a fickle thing, Steve. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that or not, but when you're good one day, the next day you can be horrible. And that goes for Alexis Diaz, as much as it goes for Hunter Strickland, got Hunter Strickland in today's podcast somehow. Yeah. Didn't think I'd do that. Did you? Uh, but when it comes to relief pitching, you've got to have a plan in place to have arms ready. You gotta have depth. You can't just be like, yeah, well we got this guy. Right, or we got this dude who didn't work out in the rotation, we're going to throw him in the bullpen, see what happens. He's probably going to be okay in the bullpen. You've got to recognize that you need some dudes to rely on. Are Derek Law, Buck Farmer, and Revar San Martins guys you can rely on? Maybe not yet, they could be, but I'm not putting that in a category. Right now, I just have Alexis Diaz in that category. Has the bullpen been fine this year? Absolutely. Is it going to continue to get better without any reinforcements whatsoever? I think that that is not a strategy that you lean on. And that's more of just what we like to say, hope, which that's fine for you and me. I don't necessarily know that Nick Crawl needs to be hanging his hat on hope. No, not
1: at all. And I know coming up in the next segment, Jeff, we're going to uh, dig into the guys that are coming off of the injured list. And we're going to be taking questions because we're live on YouTube and we're live on Twitter. So if you're watching us right now, I see the numbers popping up here. Thank you guys so much for being around. Start dropping your questions in the comment. We're going to spend a lot of time digging into those uh, after Jeff tells us about his favorite snack
0: treat. And that's built Bar, Steve. Built Bar is the best snack around because not only does it satisfy your craving for a candy bar, it's healthy too. We're talking about the kind of stats that gets you fired up. The kind of stats that any bullpen would be happy to have. As we're looking at protein out the wazoo up to 18 grams of protein in some built bars, you can talk about the puff bars, which are just literally chocolate covered marshmallows that still somehow have 16 to 18 grams of protein in them and they're low on sugar and low on carbs and you're only talking about 130 calories in most of these built bars as well if you're looking to get healthy but you got a sweet tooth built bars going to help you out because they are they're all covered in 100% real chocolate talking about the puffs talking about the regular built bars as well look them up today at built.com plus i got a promo code for you save some money use the promo code locked on 15 to save 15 off your next order i eat built bars when i'm hungry i eat them sometimes if i'm on the road and i need a little bit of a meal replacement something to get me over get me to the next meal built bar is perfect for that Check it out today at built.com. They've got all these great flavors. Like I love the puffs, but if you're not a marshmallow type person, which I don't understand anybody that's not a marshmallow type person, but if you're one of those people, you can check out some great flavors like cookie dough. They've got mint chocolate brownie. You've got some great fruit flavors as well. They're all at built.com. If you're looking for healthy and if you're looking for tasty, built's got you covered built.com use the promo code locked on 15 to save 15% off your next order. Thanks for joining us here on the Locked On Reds podcast today. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to tell you why the outfield is probably the most interesting part of this team as we head into the offseason. There's lots of reasons why, because there's lots of question marks at every Position, but Steve, we are talking about this bullpen, and I think it's interesting because I saw this tweet over the weekend that just had me hadn't had my antennas raised a little bit because Bobby Nightingale was talking about how and he had an article in the Enquirer talking about the return of T.J. Antone, the return of Lucas Sims, and the return of Tony Santion next season is just going to infuse this bullpen with lots and lots of talent. Do you know why that actually got me a little bit? Hmm?
1: I would I would like to hear your thoughts because the first thing that popped into my mind was we don't even know if TJ Antone's going to be able to throw a ball next year. I mean, I see all his stuff out there on social media. He's in Arizona working his butt off trying to rehab. Uh, let's just start with that. But this is his second Tommy John surgery in three years. This is a problem. And if that's if if your if your front office strategy and you talked about hope, but if your front office strategy is to rely on a guy coming off his second Tommy John surgery in three years, uh, that tells me right now that uh, this bullpen is going to be no better than it was this year.
0: There's a lot of feeling around major league baseball that they almost want a guy to go through Tommy John because Tommy John is almost a routine surgery. While guys still miss an entire year, it's kind of a surgery that everybody has down pat and you see guys bounce back from quite a bit. Having two Tommy John surgeries is a whole new ballgame, and there's not a lot of success for guys that have gone through that twice. Now, I love TJ Antone and the fire that he brings to the mound and the kind of talent that he has, that beautiful breaking ball that he just absolutely fools guys with and the fastball that moves like crazy but are we really going to expect a carbon copy from before the injury to after the injury? Because that again is hope that is not an expectation. If that is your expectation, then you're grossly oversimplifying his recovery. Because like we said, two Tommy John surgeries, Mm -hmm. not great. Then you look at Lucas Sims and Tony Santeon. None of these guys are coming back from a stub toe. None of these guys are coming back from a boo-boo on their elbow. I, I, well, maybe that's not a great thing when I'm talking about teaching Anto, but we're not talking about something that's easy here. Lucas Sims and Tony Santiano are coming back from back injuries. We're talking about surgery for Lucas Sims on his back. That is just, that. that's really given me a lot of pause and I want to see them bounce back. I hope they bounce back. But if a hope for a bounce back is the strategy for this team this offseason and they're not even going to look at bullpen arms on the free agent market then that is just absolute folly which is kind of something we've seen in the past from this team well i have two words for you and we're talking
1: about pitchers with back injuries sunny gray once yeah. these injuries occur the, a lot of these guys are never the same now look I'm i'm not trying to bash Lucas Sims. I'm not trying to bash Tony Santian. I'm not, I'm not giving up on them, but you know, so you just talked about four pitchers in Alexis Diaz, TJ, Antone, Lucas Sims, and Tony Santian. That's half the bullpen already. We're talking about eight bullpen slots, plus your five starting pitchers to make your pitching staff in 2023. You are now giving over half of your bullpen slots to a lot of question marks and one reliable guy. So for me, now these other four slots, and this is why I said in the first segment, Jeff, they've got to go out and get some reliable veteran arms to fill this thing out because that's a lot of question marks for a team. That's going to have great starting pitching. They need to be able to hand over games to somebody that they can rely on. And I don't know that the rest of these guys that we've talked about, I'm looking at the list right, right now, there's nobody on this list that screams, put me in coach. So, they, they've got to go get somebody because if Tony Santian comes back uh, like he was when he first went to the bullpen. Excellent. That's a guy that you can rely on. If Lucas Sims is anywhere close to what he was pre-injury, that's a guy that you can rely on, but we just don't know. So, you know, what do you do? Who, who do you keep around? that's on this injured list right now i mean there's guys like justin wilson there's there i mean justin wilson he's still on this team do you guys know that justin yeah. wilson is on this team uh it feels like i think three he's years got a team, that- I,
0: th- I think he's got a team option for this coming season but i don't necessarily know if that's a given that they're going to pick him up but still yeah they have the ability to retain him for next year
1: So I don't know what you do with those four other spots, Jeff, because, I mean, there are tons of guys. I mean, let's just talk about the injured list. The Reds pitching injured list. Jeff Hoffman, Dowry Moretta, Vladimir Gutierrez, Art Warren, Tony Santian, Robert Duggar, Ryan Hendricks, Jared Salomon, Lucas Sims, Kyle Dowdy. Who the hell is Kyle Dowdy? (laughs) Uh, right, Right now, right now, Espinel, you've got... Daniel Duarte Justin Wilson I mean that's just the pitchers on the injured list right now
0: yeah and and every single one of them when they come back healthy I mean obviously we power rank that you know Anton Sims Santion, and then a bunch of dudes after that but at the same time like I just don't the Cajun looking dude
1: <laughs> I thought <laughs> he was cookie. dead
0: Cajun, Cajun Oh gosh. Yeah, no. That's, that's um, probably
1: a little before your time that Justin
0: that <laughs> Justin Wilson. No, I oh man, that's that's hilarious. No, but uh looking at all of these guys, expecting them to come back healthy, ready to go, and just as good as they were before they got hurt, you've got to bring in some other dudes who are reliable.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and our, our man Carrick here, we're going to maybe get into the the backup catcher conversation when we go to the Q and a for sure. But yeah, so there's a few options in AAA, but you know, I'm taught, I, I really want somebody I can rely on and I, there's nobody that just right now, Jeff, I said this when you told me that this bullpen was seventh in baseball since the all-star break right now, every time that bullpen gate swings open, I'm ready to give up on the game. And they've got to get some dudes out there that make me not feel that way because even if the offense continues to struggle as the youngsters learn, you know, I want to at least have some people if it's a one-nothing game that, you know, that's where I want the hope, Jeff. I want the hope that the Reds can win a game.
0: And I think there's something to be said for the environment that these guys are pitching into, right? I mean, they're coming into games in some cases trailing by multiple runs and stuff like that. And sure they're pitching fine, but they're not pitching in the kind of rabid environments that we want them to be pitching in. And so do we know how that's going to translate? Are there going to be bright lights on them whenever the bright lights are on them? Are they going to continue to pitch this way? Or is it going to be completely different? We're not talking about dudes that have track records. We're talking about dudes we hope can build track records. But if that is what we are relying on next season, all the way across the board in the bullpen, whether you're talking about guys that we're hoping can return from injury or guys that we're hoping can continue the success that they started this year, that's still a lot of hope. And and I don't want the reds to bank on hope. Well,
1: You know, shout out to our buddy, Chad, that we've heard say for a lot of years, hope is not a strategy. We don't know what the red strategy is, but we think we know what it should be. And that is to go bolster this bullpen and not totally rely on players coming back from injury. But listen, we are live on YouTube and now is my favorite part of the live shows. And that is taking your questions and comments, and we'll just see where you guys take us. And we're going to do that right after this. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's with three Fs because spelling's always been hard for him. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There is no Fs in that. Make sure you are subscribed in the audio feeds. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. Click that notification bell so that when we do this, when we go live, you're the first to know. All right, Jeff, let's dig in to some of the questions and the comments because, uh, you know, one of the things about this I love doing is just seeing where it takes us. Uh, you know, our man Carrick got a question in early. I think we hadn't even clicked go live yet. He got his first one in, but it is of note. That the Arizona Fall League does, in fact, start today. Do we think that Noel V. Marte is going to get time in right field and at third base? And what about Matt McClain? Will he get time in center field? All right, Carrick. I said this off air when I was talking to Jeff beforehand. I think that Matt Matt McClain is the center fielder of the future. Uh, I want him to get a ton of outfield time during the Arizona fall league games that that's where I want him to play him. I know when I talked to him uh, before I even finished asking him the question of of what position he plays, he said, shortstop, but I think that probably uh, guys like Ellie de la Cruz are going to force that issue. He's going to end up in the outfield. I think Jeff, what is your thought on Marte? I know when he came over in the trade, the locked on Mariners guys were saying they thought he projected more at third base anyway.
0: Yeah. Third base is definitely something that they're going to try him at quite a bit. I honestly like the idea of more time in right field simply because I think the Reds are banking on Jonathan India being the second baseman that he was his rookie year. I think they got to like actually weigh his performance this year a little bit heavier than they are because the way that he's played defense this year has not been good it's been very inconsistent and at times has looked a little lost. And I'm not saying that he needs to be, Remove from second base immediately, but they should explore their options. If they look at maybe moving him to third base, maybe you move Marte to right field, and then maybe you've got a second baseman you can call up. I don't necessarily think Jose Torres is ready to be called up right now. He's probably a year or two away. That could be a spot to put Edwin Arroyo in a couple of years, but again, you've got to find a stopgap there. But I think overall flexibility is going to be important and th- and that's what we've talked about with spencer steer the fact that he is embracing the idea of being a flexible player if you can get these guys to embrace flexibility in the arizona fall league and get them ready for spring training where you will then continue to make sure that they're flexible having them play multiple positions and getting ready for the season in that manner and then continuing that at AAA, too, because I don't necessarily think guys like Marte or McLean are going to break camp with the big league club. Overall, flexibility should be key, and I don't want to see them all at one position all the time. Or, man, Will
1: Klein drops in asking, uh, with the start of the Arizona Fall League, what players are we most intrigued to see? And that kind of goes along with what you were talking about. You know, what are we hoping to see? Well, I will tell Jeff to keep his big mitts off of right field with anybody else other than Reese Hines. Reese Hines is going out to Arizona. I am been intrigued by Reese Hines since the Reds drafted him. He's still identified by many scouts and many people that watch the minors uh, throughout the game of baseball as being one of uh, the players in all of minor league baseball with, Just the most raw, pure power. Now, it hasn't translated yet, but injuries have played a big part of that. It's one of the reasons why the Reds moved him to the outfield. Uh, Playing third base, he managed to get himself hurt pretty consistently. So for me, that's the guy I'm watching. Uh, He's healthy right now i like to see how he performs out there in the outfield. I would like to see him hit a lot of bombs during the Arizona Fall League and continue to develop that power because if he puts that together, that answers one of the questions we have about the Reds' big league outfield and what they're going to do. And then, of course, as I mentioned, Matt McClain is the other one. I want to see him in center field. I want to see those two guys out there together learning to play outfield together because I think that's part of our outfield of the future.
0: I'm looking at Matt McClain at the bat like what does he do in the batter's box because we've talked about this a little bit as we've mentioned matt mcclain in a couple of different areas talking with tom nichols about him and stuff like this is that he sacrificed strikeouts for power this year and it did not necessarily pay off so how do they regroup how do they course correct that during the Arizona fall league, are we going to know, no, but we're going to see a glimpse of that and what we will see more of in spring training. I'm looking at his strikeout to walk ratio. What's that going to look like throughout the Arizona fall league? Because two years ago in Dayton, he never like when well, that never, but he rarely struck out. He was not a guy with a lot of strikeouts and Tom Nichols was surprised to see the number of strikeouts that he had this year in double A. So how does that translate? What are they going to do to correct that? Because I believe, especially with the shift in uh, disappearing, they're going to tell him to go back to the way that he was hitting more line drive focused, a lot more contact. And how is that going to change him? And how's that going to look forward for Matt McClain's future? Here's a question I want to tackle for just a minute this comes
1: from jim on uh, the youtube feed will anyone in the front office have the guts to fire anyone here's the thing who are you gonna fire are you gonna fire david bell cool all right fire david bell i really don't care i'm not i'm not locked in on david bell i i don't think that's gonna happen but what is what is it that you accomplish by firing david bell uh this team is a train wreck I, I mean, I don't care if the ghost of Sparky Anderson walked into the building today. He's not going to get this bunch of Reds players to win. Uh, who else are you going to fire? Are you going to fire Nick crawl? No, they're not going to fire Nick crawl. He does exactly what they tell him to do. And he does it with a smile on his goofy face and tries to convince us that it was the right thing to do. They're not going to fire him. They're happy with that guy. Uh, The only people that should be fired are the ownership group. And you can't fire your family. I've seen that floating around Twitter the last two days. Bob (laughs) is not going to fire Phil. If that was going to happen, it would have happened on opening day to undo the damage (sighs) that Phil did by opening his pie hole. Uh, there's nobody to fire that's going to make an impactful difference on this franchise. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday, Jeff, that I think David Bell never gets fired. I think that what's going to happen, and I don't think this is what should happen, mind you, but I think this is what is going to happen is that when all of these young prospects get this team in a position where it's pretty clear, they're going to start winning some baseball games. Barry Larkin becomes the manager of this team for the PR uplift that it causes within the city, David Bell gets promoted. He becomes the assistant general manager of something and they move him up because of the family ties between the bell family and the Castellini family. And then Barry Larkin takes over this team and we move forward with the youngsters and hopefully still manage to win some baseball games. I just, I don't see who you fire. I just, I don't see how any impactful firing can happen.
0: Yeah. The only thing that's going to change this team is a change in philosophy at the top. Uh, And to do that, you have to change shoes at the top because what's going to happen is if they fire Nick Crawl today, they're going to hire somebody that toes the company line and follows what they say. If they fire David Bell, they're going to bring in a manager who follows along with what the front office wants him to do. They're not going to bring in a guy like I I feel like there's a lot of folks that believe if you move on from David Bell, you're bringing in, you know, a, a Lupinella type guy. That's not happening. You're not bringing in a dude that's taken. Joe Madden is not going to be the next Reds manager. You're not bringing in a dude that is going to run this franchise with an iron fist or something like that. It's going to be something that follows along with what the top wants to do. So, yeah, you can fire some folks, but who they're bringing in is not going to drastically change the way this team runs.
1: Charlie White says, cowboy for manager. That would be something interesting.
0: I'd be see I don't a think rotating.
1: Do can we do it? Didn't the Cubs do this way back in the day and have like co-managers or rotating <laughs> managers or something? We have like, it's cowboy week down in the old dugout. And then Chris Welsh <laughs> yeah. can take a turn. Barry Larkin can take a turn. We'll just put Barry, Sadak uh, down there for fun. Jim Day can have at it for a week or two. I mean, let's we'll just do it. Johnny, up. Let's just see. We'll I Let Johnny really Bench think, do it every
0: other Thursday. Sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I just,
1: I think the days of, of managers being super impactful, are kind of over with all of the analytics and the way that baseball does things. Now, I think that, I think that it kind of was important when everything was done based on a manager's gut, you needed a guy with a good gut, but those days are long gone. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I I mean, you know, there was a comment back. I think Jim or or Carrick said, uh, he doesn't want to see Larkin as manager, you know, and I agree with that. I don't want to see Larkin as manager either, but you know, does it move the needle? I don't know. We talked with this. We talked about this with Mo last offseason before the season even got started right around opening day. Um, And and Mo was like, you know, what difference is it going to make? What's the impact? And I think I agree with that. Um, Well, it's something that
0: Sparky said, like Sparky even talked about. He's just like, it's the easiest job in the world because this lineup is full of future Hall of Famers the lineup that the Reds are rolling out there ain't full of future starters next year, let alone future Hall of Famers. Like, no matter what manager you put in charge of this team, and we're going to talk about this more with David Bell because I think there's there's differing questions. Like, sure, is he put in a position to win, and how does he develop guys? But I also don't believe that you're going to get a manager in here that's going to make enough of a difference that's going to turn a 100-loss team into a 100-win team.
1: No, I I think, I mean, we keep coming back to like, who, who is responsible. Mm -hmm. And I I think at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do with a, a president of baseball operations, with a general manager, with a manager that you, you can, you can fix this team without a total change in philosophy at the very top in the ownership group. Now they're telling us that's what they're doing. They're telling us that this is our new direction thus far. In a very, very, very limited sample size, they have charted a course and they've stuck with it. And they did some things that they knew were going to be unpopular. And it's also easy to say, well, that was just because they were trying to save money. They traded Castillo, they traded Mali, they traded all the guys to try and save money. Okay, that's probably true. There probably is a component of that, that they were just trying to, to floor the payroll as much as they could. All right. But they went out and got a lot of talent in return. Nick Kral did a good job with the trades. We talked, we've talked about this. We both graded him as an a and how he handled the trade deadline. So all of that being said, if they stick to the course, Jeff, if they continue to follow more of a Tampa model and get the hell out of the way and let the baseball people, baseball, then Maybe I'll be okay with that, but they have to start winning games soon. This is the fifth year out of the last seven that they're going to lose 90 games or more. That mm-hmm. is unacceptable. And I, th- I know my patience is running out. I see it in the comments here that I, I haven't thrown them all up there, Jeff, but I see it in the comments here of, you know, people boycotting Reds Fest, people, you know, wanting to see a winner, people giving up. And I totally understand why people feel that way because i have a hard time not feeling that way uh and you know i have uh, 40 years invested in this team and <laughs> and but i get why why people are at a point where you know my good buddy bill lack used to always say i'm from missouri you have to show me and i think that's kind of where we all are you have to show me that you are going to stay committed to building through a churn of prospects and ARB eligible players and continue to just make moves, make moves, make moves, always having a next
0: man up. The challenge will be you can't just punt next year because if you just punt next year, nobody's going to be here to root for this team when they're good again, because everybody's going to be so burnt out. And, and I, I mentioned the bullpen article that Bobby Nightingale had. He also had another good article where he looked at what the Cleveland guardians did and how they got to where they are. They won their division. They clinched it like a week and a half ago. Their spot is clear in the playoffs, and they have about $50 million less on their payroll than the Reds have this year. They've done that without going through the valleys of a rebuild that we've seen the Reds are mired in now. They've done that and, and all this other stuff, but how do you get around that? And, and still manage to be successful in the short term. The Guardians have done that. I'd love to see what the Reds can do to emulate them, to emulate the Rays, things like that. Just it, it, It's so disheartening to think, yes, I would like to see them go out and get this guy. I would like to see them go out. I'd love to see, and we'll talk more about this on tomorrow's episode, but I would love to see a reunion with Tucker Barnhart are the reds going to try to lowball him to the point that he doesn't want anything to do with them that's going to be the biggest question with any free agent out there because this reds team only has about i think it's only like 45 46 million that's on the books next year and we we always talk about 2024 there's nothing on the books but next year the payroll is very small too And once you add in arbitration, that'll go up a little bit. But that's not going to go up to the point that we're talking about $120 million payroll. So they're going to have some room to breathe, some room to work with if they, in fact, want to work with it.
1: Well, Jeff, we are fast running out of time. I want to take two more questions here on this live edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here in the comments and asking questions. This is my favorite part of doing lives. I love the instant interaction and all of the questions from the viewers and listeners. But let's do two yep. more. Let's do Carrick's here that's up on the screen right now. He says he likes the direction that the Reds are going. He just wonders if they'll keep it up. What are they going to do when Lodolo Green and India are all close to free agency? And you and I have spent a lot of time off air talking about this. So I'll let you, I'll let you take the first crack at what you think happens here.
0: They Nick crawl needs to be on the phone right now with Atlanta and see what on earth they did to begin the talks of negotiations for contract extensions for Aussie Albies, Ronald Acuna. I know that Atlanta is a bigger market. I know that they like to spend more money than the reds, but they got those guys before they were just absolutely otherworldly amazing. That was the, the biggest reason why nothing was going to materialize between the Reds and Luis Castillo this past year is because they waited till this year to talk to him. Had they talked to him two years ago, they might have been able to sign an extension with him. They've got to be proactive and not get to the year before a contract year because by that time, Hunter Green's going to have it figured out. Nick going to have it figured out. And Jonathan India probably going to have it figured out to the point that he is a complete player. And when you try to sign a guy at the height of their value, you're not going to get the contract extension that you're looking for. And you're not going to sign all three of these guys. So they've got to be proactive with it and start it early. So here's, here's what
1: I think. And people aren't going to like this answer, but I think it's what's going to happen. I think best case scenario, the Reds will can sign one of these young pitchers to some type of extension. Uh, it's going to be one of Lodolo Green and Ashcraft. One of those guys will get a deal. The other two, you're going to have to trade when they have about a year and a half to two years of team control left. Same holds true for the position players. You can lock up one guy to be your long-term face of the franchise. Everybody else gets churned. That's the model they're going with. Now, if you want consistent winners, if you want to be like Tampa Bay, you have to be okay with them doing that. You have to be okay with keeping one or two guys around for stability and everybody else gets churned to create turning one really good player into four or five prospects that you can then maybe have one or two of them reach the majors. And the beat goes on and on. That's the only way that it works. It's not what we want. It's not optimal, but this is not Los Angeles. This is not New York. Steve Cohen's not buying this team. They're not going to spend that kind of money. It just can't happen. So for me, Jeff, I mean, that's the best
0: we can hope for got some detailed thoughts on this that we'll jump into in another episode but yeah i've I think I've got an alternate take. For All me. right. And let's
1: go to our final question. And I'm, I'm pulling this one up for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, just because I included this poor man's name in our Bluetooth ad reads. So uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> Alan Zinter for just a minute without any bedroom connotations or context. So let's let's dig into this because I think this is a good question. A uh, question comes from Austin. And the question is this, what's our opinion of Alan Zinter? Uh, I know it's a young offense, but it feels like the Reds' offense is often subpar for the past few years thinking all the way back to that awesome 2020 covid season playoff performance where they didn't do anything at all for two straight games uh what do you think jeff
0: i think it's hard to blame the hitting coach i know we want to and and i think it's just for the same reason as the manager i think the hitting coach has some effect on them but it's not as if they come in it's not as if a player comes in as a blank slate and is waiting for a coach to tell him how to hit. They know how to hit when they get up to the major leagues, and he helps them make tweaks here and there. Now, has he hel- had to help Jose Barrero rebuild his game, Nixon Zell rebuild his game, Aristides Aquino rebuild their games? Sure. But I think at the end of the day, if I'm looking at something with this lineup, I got to start with the talent of the players that are up here because all of these guys have shown in some way shape or form that they might've had talent at one point, but it's not necessarily translating to the major league game. And I don't think I can blame Allen enter for that. Plus next year, whole new ball game, no more shift. Are you going to start out with a new hitting coach for that? Or are you going to roll with the guy that you already have? I just, I don't look at this and I say, we need to make a change in the hitting coach position.
1: For me, it's like this. And I go back to this and I know I, I, this poor guy never did anything to me. And I don't know why I pick on him, but modder <laughs> modder appeared in Major League <laughs> Baseball games for the Cincinnati Reds right. this year. What the hell was Alan Zinter going to do with him? The Reds are on like their eighth or ninth catcher at depth they can't hit major league pitching what's he supposed to do with that you know i i I just i can't i mean this is another one of those fake accountability things where you know yeah you could blame alan zinter you can fire alan zinter you can say look at this offense it's been crappy this entire year well i mean they pretty much did everything short of asking jeff and i to appear in baseball games so that being said i don't know what he's supposed to do
0: it's the same well and let's it, put it this way too who's a hitting as... coach yeah who's a hitting coach that you think of in red's history that's good ted glasuski you know why he coached the grade eight like i mean just in, in a story there like that's where that's where coaching comes into play is how good's the talent on the field
1: look at that nasty natty thinks we're celebrities jeff i love it <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Jeff. I think that's going to do it for today. Thanks everybody for being here for this live edition of the Locked On Res podcast. podcast. Uh, we're going to do this a lot more throughout the off season. Uh, I, I enjoy this so much. But Jeff, go ahead and wrap us up.
0: And if you want to come, say hey. Going to be down at the ballpark tonight to see Hunter Green pitching against uh, Hayden Wisniewski in the Chicago cubs looking forward to that coming up tomorrow we are going to dive into the outfield of next year and why on earth steve thinks there doesn't need to be any change because he's wrong That's going to do it, though, for us here on today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. Now go check out the Locked On MLB podcast as Sully has you covered with league-wide news, all the biggest stories about Major League Baseball, because it's the number one daily league-wide show. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. Steve, there's three games left. If the Reds don't win any of them. If the Reds don't win any of them, they'll set a record for the most losses that they've ever had in a single season. What's that mean for you and me? That means we are going to be locked
1: on Reds through one zero two. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Hey, prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.